Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 16. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Before we get started today, uh, if you like the show, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a quick review on iTunes. It'll help other people find us. And um, go ahead and follow us on Facebook. That's an order. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook. Go ahead seems friendly. You should just say follow us on Facebook. You want it to be less friendly? Yes. Okay. Anyway, this week on the show, we covered... Uh, Mad Max movies. Various Mad Max movies. But only two (laughs) of the Mad Max movies. So there's probably people out there who are, oh, that's arbitrary. Anyway, this is our experiment in covering two films. Yes. Um, we film. chose the second Mad Max film, known as Mad Max Two in Australia. And but I always Road Warrior. I knew of it. It's always been the Road Warrior in the United States. It was released as the Road Warrior. Um, so that's the first film we watched, and then we watched Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which came a few years later yes. in I think nineteen eighty five. Yes. Okay. Uh, so my first experiences with Mad Max were that my dad and my brother watched them on Saturday mornings, and I didn't. Okay, I like how it's like, instead of Saturday morning cartoons, they had like father-son oh, Mad Max viewing. They watched viewing. like Godzilla and all the Mothariah and, okay. you know, all those movies. But they also, my dad found Mad Max. And I'm sure they invited me, but I did not choose to watch that at the time. So Okay, so why did I choose this? Yes. Why did I choose this? Why did I choose this? Well, I knew that um, the only film in the series that Ashley had seen, unless you walked in on your dad and brother bits and pieces kind of thing was the latest one mad max fury road and i think you you really liked it i remember it, you really liked it. it's, but it's i was freaking awesome but it's i was a, awesome i was movie. astounded that you didn't you hadn't never seen any of the other ones so um i wanted to go back and fill in that context because i actually feel like it deepens your appreciation of how good mad max fury road is to it's come really back good. to this yeah. years later but i wanted to see that kind of where it came from and how it was this kind of sort of organic, amorphous, evolving um, world building exercise um, that's been so many different places. I decided to skip the first Mad Max. Um, First of all, I didn't want to overload this show, but I decided to skip the first one because I know I was watching a little bit of it over the holidays. I got the DVD set and it's more of a standard B-movie exploitation Mm -hmm. biker gang film. It's before everything's really gotten... Very, I mean, it doesn't look anything like the world of the other Mad Max movies. Yeah. Society is just starting to fall apart. The roads are ruled by these sort of biker gangs. Mad uh, Max is a cop. Yeah. He loses his family. It's It plays now. Yeah, there's still cops. As origin story <laughs> yeah. for the character. But So we did not watch that together, although I knew you'd sat in and seen little pieces we of saw, it. I saw okay? some car crash. So I wanted to such. start with what I thought was the first masterpiece was Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Um, and then um, I had fond memories of the third one, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. However, very interesting to see now, all these years later, through hindsight, and also not being a 14-year-old boy anymore, mm-hmm. changed my experience with that movie. Yeah. Um, on a personal level, I'm sorry if I'm overloading the show with where <laughs> all this came from, but I, I saw the movies in reverse order. Mm. I think that my entry point was Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I saw it when I was 14 in the movie theater. Weird story about the context of seeing that was my best friend and I met up with the guy who ran the um, computer BBS bulletin board system that we 
um, we're on all the time messaging and stuff um, with him and like pre-internet or something pre-internet <laughs> dial-up thing San Francisco he ran our favorite bulletin board system we got to know him we got to know some of the other people and we arranged a meetup to go to see Mad Max so I saw we saw it with this guy and some other one of our other friends online in her 20s we were like just two, teeny, two teenagers going to the movies to see Mad Max with strangers mm. which now to me seems a little weird but anyway I didn't That's know fine. any of this about the Perry Internet. It really applied. I had no idea about it's this. It's the pre-internet. So so we got... I had mom, a dial-up modem. Yeah. We would call in. It's all text-based. And you mm. could write posts, basically like yeah. Usenet-style posts. And you could... So there would be different areas. You could write emails back and forth. There were sort of games and trivia games or whatever. And a little bit... Maybe a little bit of role-playing kinds of stuff mm, going on. So anyway, and it was all just text-based so dial-up. I remember the text-based... It would be busy and you couldn't yeah. get on to the bulletin board because he only mm. had like two or three lines. Interesting. So yeah, my I remember the pre-internet. My mom had a like very early like the tux completely text based, but this must have been five years later. This must have been nineteen ninety. So you guys had it like back in nineteen eighty five. Oh, I ha- and, oh you know? yeah. I mean my my high school this was before high school. Or yeah. this was the very I mean, I guess Mad Max would have been freshman year or yeah. something like that, fourteen. Mm-hmm. I think it was that summer, maybe it was a summer movie. It yeah. feels like a summer movie. Um it so was anyway. released at Christmas in Australia. Oh, okay. Which one? The Red Warrior. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm talking about Thunderdome was the one I saw uh, okay. first. And then I went one. back to fill in. Um, then I went back and saw Road Warrior, which I was too young. I was 10 years old. My parents did not take me to stuff like that. I did not catch up with it until afterwards. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I went by then. I was like um, young uh, video bootlegging guy with two VCRs making copies of tapes that I loved. And so I had my own copies of Mad Max and Road Warrior and the, the, the trilogy on my shelf and all that that I made from renting them and making tapes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, You had to put the, the you, masking tape over the little... Yes, if you needed to record <laughs> yeah. over something, you have to put the masking tape over the... the okay, anyway. Wow. <laughs> I know some things about VHS. (laughs) Should we, should we, how should we start? Should we talk about the first one or, or what's your experience in general or? Um, so I, you know, not having seen the first one, I didn't realize, I thought it just, I thought it always existed in this like post-apocalyptic desert, which I mean is beautiful and, and, you know, distant and cold and scary. And I don't know, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty powerful um comment on society and Mm -hmm. and um they're extremely successful in that um i just i just love that that sort of and i also like how each one feels like an episode like it's its own story like it could be in the same series or the same world but are you now talking about the whole series yeah i'm talking through the fury road and everything well i mean but we could just talk about in the sense of these but these two movies they feel like different like it's a whole new story it's not like a continuation but one of my observations this time is that I don't feel like like the the four movies are cohesive as it is. Like it no. does not. It feels to me like he had a really cool idea, and this is sort of started world building it a little bit. Yeah. And that each movie is just like a different version of some of the same source material, but yeah. they don't feel cohesive. No, it's... maybe the, the to me the second one and the fourth one feel 
more of a piece than yeah. I don't know. The first one is completely a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> the third one is kind of a completely different movie. So you see this well, evolution going along. That, it's the so Thunderdome is yeah, its own thing. I mean like it it just has some different it's not it's the other ones were you know always moving and going from place to place and the fight scenes are always driving and like beyond thunderdome is more static yeah like it's it's actually feels like two different movies because there's the the thunderdome part and then there's the boys and girls in uh, yeah the sort of peter pan children left behind can we back up and just start with um road warrior the first one and and then work our way back because I think they deserve, like, <laughs> we watch them separately, <laughs> yeah. and I feel very differently about yeah. each one. So let's start with the Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Thumbnail plot. Uh, so through a set of circumstances, our hero, who I don't think his name is ever mentioned in, this, in either of them, our hero, uh, Max. I don't know. We know he's Max. Yeah, they, I, they give a little bit of backstory, which I don't think is necessary. They have a little flashback to where he and lost those are, his family. And those are scenes from the first yeah. film. Yeah. Um, uh, through a set of circumstances um, involving him getting some more fuel for his car, um, Mad the, Max uh, gets involved with a community of people who own a gas refinery, refinery in the desert and then um, this is all that's yeah. left so we're in a world after the apocalypse by the time we get to road warrior 2 where everything is a wasteland um terrible punk biker gangs rule the roads everyone's fighting over gasoline and you've got those all right so our cat was just getting into something but <laughs> <laughs> back again road warrior 2 you've got max helping the uh the people with the refinery yes the people with the refinery um, at some point he meets the, uh, flying man. Does the gyro captain. Gy- does he ever have a name? Gyro captain. Gyro captain. He doesn't okay. have a name. Yeah. Who also appears in Thunderdome, not, oddly. Not the same character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. His name is Jebediah. Yeah. In the second one, according to the credits. Well, you know, one thing that I like about Max, it's like, that's why I don't think that the flashback is necessary at all to his past life is that he just... He loses everything, like regularly. He loses his car, he loses his dog, he loses everything, and then he just keeps going. He th- just that's what he does. He it's just true. goes around. I think that the flashback sequence is the only connector yeah. between the second movie and the first movie to Australian audiences. Mad Max was a blockbuster in yeah. Australia. I mean, it was amazing. Like um and so that's if you just open on him driving down the road, it's it's too different. It's too much of a reset button. It's like, how did you get to here? Yeah. So they're trying to I guess throw so. that to the to acknowledge those who saw the first one. How did you get from there to here? Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think that like one of the hallmarks of this character over that develops is that like he routinely like he sets up a life for himself. And then that's all taken from him. That's like the plot of every movie is that he loses everything. And in the attempt to gain it back, um, he uh, well, he gets involved. The process with people. of gaining it back involves helping other people. Yeah. And in the first one, I mean, the first one we watched, Road Warrior, which yeah. is Mad Max 2, he ends up helping them to help himself get, like, he's making a bargain to yeah. get his 
gee, that's in both movies, isn't it? Yeah. He's make some kind of arrangement to get his stuff back, back. Yeah. right? Same thing happens with why he fights in Thunderdome in the third film. Yeah, he says he'll find them a, a vehicle in order to carry their gas out of there. But he comes across very much like... Um, like Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. the man with no name in those Western, the good, the bad and the ugly and a uh, fistful of dollars. In fact, there's, I think they call him the man with no name at one point in Mad Max. Beyond yeah, Thunderdome. I think so. Yeah. Um, it is very Western in that. He is, walks into the town. It's like seven samurai or yeah. something. He's defending the, the, them from the, the uh, bandits, which mm-hmm. you haven't seen yet. Uh, but I've seen you, you're familiar with the concept. I've seen the bandits in seven samurai. Okay. <laughs> You've seen the three amigos probably. Yes. I have, I have seen I, the three amigos. I have amigos. not seen the three amigos. So, ladies, anyway, so like the it's pretty much a trope, though, right? Yes, You've got it is. village of people and uh, being uh, attacked by marauders. In this case, it's the the punk marauders trying to get the gas. The gas. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fighting to the death over the gas, um, and he ends up committing to helping people beyond the point where yeah. he would need to. There's a point where he could just walk away in most yeah. of these films. I think. Yeah. It's not always against his will. At some point, there's a there's he some a there's a piece of humanity still in him yeah. that makes him connect to these people, and then he walks away like you know in a at western. At the end, after like, yeah, yeah, right, and then he becomes a man of myth and legend. Always, yes. like that's true. There always there's always someone telling his story. That's <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> that's how yeah the, because that's the, how the it's framed. At the Road end. Warrior is narrated by th- this off-camera narrator who sets up the opening in the end and turns out to be the um, feral kid grown up. The little wild, who's a great character. I love this feral kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With the the boomerang that that has the blade boomerang. The bladed boomerang. Yeah, which doesn't seem safe for anyone. It doesn't. (laughs) And um, we learn very early on that you shouldn't try and catch it. Catch the bladed boomerang. No. (laughs) That guy did not look very happy for the rest of the film. No. Oh, he's still in it, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what's good about Road Warrior 2? What works? What doesn't work? Um, Road Warrior 2. Mad Max 2. Mad Max 2. You know, I, I like the comedy in that they have in the form of the, um, gyrocaptor, you know, he's always like, I he know. adds his humanity yeah. to it. Mm. You need to have a little smile at something stupid he yeah. says or does. <laughs> Moment. <laughs> I, it's, it's interesting because like, the movies are ostensibly about Max, but they aren't really. They're about what happens around him. He's, mm-hmm. He doesn't really have much of a personality other than he's a survivor. He's who kind helps of a catalyst yeah. who helps. Yeah. He helps negotiate things from one situation to the next you know i to me the the second movie uh road warrior is more um i don't know i i like the flow of it a little bit better than i did thunderdome yeah um it just, it starts out with a great, you know, chase scene. And then, you know, you have the, he escapes and he finds the gyro captain. And then, you know, they 
they find the place that has the gas. You know, I heard about this place that has gas. And then they go to look at it and then they, you know, see that they're being attacked. And then it ends with this pretty spectacular, you know, road race sequence. I feel like everything else aside. Yeah. This movie is standout for these a- those yeah, action scenes. Yeah. Like, these are exhilarating, brutal, gritty, amazing, high-adrenaline yeah. car chase scenes. Mm. And they're not just normal cars. They're these bizarro, souped-up, apocalyptic things. All of this we take for granted now, so it's hard. It's kind of like Blade Runner, where it's yeah. hard to go back and say, Road Warrior was the movie that introduced this punk, yeah. punk post-apocalyptic style. But it really did. It really was. It really did. Well, I mean, I just, as we're watching it, I'm sitting, I mean, there's a couple things that I'm thinking. One of them is that I can, my brain can make sense of the action that's happening on screen because it's happening at a normal rate for my eyes to. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because, <laughs> like, I feel like when you're watching a superhero movie with those action sequence, which are, you know, granted, these are long sequences, but you don't get bored because the stakes remain high and you can see what's actually happening. There's real people falling off of things and, you know, doing okay. these stunts. And, and- this is, um, Road Warrior is 1981. Mm. These, they filmed these car chases. Yeah. There are no computer-generated effects. There's no mm. CGI. They went out there into the desert with all these insane, crazy... And they did for the first one, too. Yeah. And there's a great documentary on the DVD about how they did this stuff. But it, they th- there's something magical about seeing actual, practical, yeah. special effects, car chases, high-energy action actually filmed yeah. and cut together on film. And the, the point you raise about, like the way it's edited is different from the way action is edited now. Mm. It's so true. It's amazing to see how you, (laughs) to remember a time, remember a time (laughs) when you had an action film where the shots lasted more than, you know, half a second or 12 frames or whatever. And then you had Michael Bay and all this come in and like now everything is just cut, 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 cut. And nothing makes sense in physical space anymore. And then you you made the point that CGI makes anything possible, so you don't even have a sense of normal physics or location or space in in an action movie today. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like that stuff when, like, there's a guy hanging off a pole and swinging. I mean, that's really happening, but, like, you're brain can guess what's going to happen. Yeah. And that makes it easier for you to understand what's actually happening on screen when you have like the CGI thing that is doing stuff that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. with your ideas of the physical world. Your brain doesn't know how to follow that, or at least my brain doesn't know how to follow that. So it's, I completely, when we're watching those CGI things, withdraw from the action sequences because they don't mean anything, whereas this... I did not withdraw in these action scenes. I'm like on the edge of my seat. Well, you have something like... So they have this big tanker of gas that they're driving around. They have to have it because it's their source of life in this wasteland that they have. It's very important. that, And plus, there's all these people that you've gotten to know that you want them to be safe. And, you know, there's a lot more stakes involved. Even if, even if you know, you're worried for Mad Max, not necessarily as a character, but as a hero, I guess. You're invested yeah. in this action scene. Yeah. It isn't an action scene. It's life or death yeah. in a way that... It just doesn't feel like you have those. You don't. You no. never have those stakes in a superhero movie. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Half the Avengers die or whatever in Infinity War or whatever. Uh, do they? I, um. <laughs> I don't know who, but because <laughs> I still haven't seen it. But I mean, you don't have that. the The fact that you're so invested in their survival. 
Well, and I think, I think that it, also they establish at a certain point that there are people that you've gotten to know that are going to die in, mm-hmm. you know, it's the possibility of that happening rather than it not happening. You okay, know. so you've got two things at work here. You have action from another era that's so well constructed, mm. so well shot, so well storyboarded, I think. I mean, I'm, the photography I'm, I look is amazing. at it's Dean Semler as the cinematographer mm. on both of these two films and... It's great. And I can tell, I can look at, you know, the opening scenes with Max and the dog and finding the gyro captain and you can see it, that it was storyboarded. You can see (laughs) that it's cut together like a, like Mm. a great sequence from Hitchcock or something, you know, like the framing of things, the way it reads like panels from a comic book. And both of these films have something in common, I think, with actual comic books, with the format. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But my point was, it's not just action being shot in a different better way mm-hmm. old-fashioned way but that we're so invested in the the situation and the characters yeah. hauling that gas tanker well i mean <sighs> it's so good. well and then i start to think about like the practicality is like so at some point they're going to be completely out of gas like yeah everywhere so what are they going to do then I, I was like i'm worried for these people i think they really need to invest in like working on some sort of permanent solution yeah. instead of just driving around the desert but you know <laughs> well when we open the film max gets involved in something with the that that tanker yeah the i mean the the vehicle that he ends up coming yeah. back to that what is it called the semi whatever the truck yeah. the rig the big truck yeah. yeah um that that gets overtaken by the punks in the beginning and he salvages like the mm. way he gets gas in the beginning is he just runs over there with a hubcap and collects whatever it is dribbling out mm. that's his connection to the next tank of gas yeah. until gyro captain's like well you know there's a refinery mm-hmm. ka-chang 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 yeah. ka-chang over there <laughs> The snake charming. Uh, Esti sonest it low. <laughs> yeah, he dupes uh, Gyro Captain a number of times, and yet they still end up somehow buddies. And the film yeah. ends with in the epilogue saying that Gyro Captain became the new leader of that group. Yeah, so where did they end up is what I wonder. I mean, they, we don't get an answer to that. Like, they were driving off somewhere, but Well, they we? had a postcard of some, of like a resort or something okay. along the coast that they okay. were going to aim for. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So that there you go. That's interesting. Wherever you are, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, wherever you go, there you are. I wonder if it's the same one from Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I don't know. There's Alice a, there's Springs. A lo- they were added there's to a Alice lot Springs. of places to work with in Australia. Yeah, that's I, oh, true. for the Springs, I don't know. Oh, Alice Springs. Um, I guess we should move on to, to the, the second, second film that we watched, which is the third entry in the series, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome from 1985. Um, Tina Turner yes. is in this. It's 80s-tastic is it's what it 80s-tastic. is. It's 80s-tastic. It has an 80s pop score. It opens mm-hmm. with Tina Turner and ends with Tina Turner. Um, Auntie. Yeah. So what's your take on this? Should we mention anything about the plot you started to earlier? Um, you know, I, I don't know that it has, like, it's not too terribly plot heavy. He loses his stuff again. This time it's camels. He lost his camels and his, that were pulling his rig and, mm-hmm. um... Someone who looks like the gyro captain stole it from him. Yeah, he gets ambushed by not gyro captain, but also played by Bruce Bentz and also also driving another flying vehicle. With a young child that looks like the... um, the, Anyway, it was confusing. 
Um, well, having... see, it was funny because when I saw that film with my weird BBS computer friends, yeah. they were immediately excited when Gyro Captain yeah. appeared and they were like, ah, it's him. And then they realized later on, oh, that wasn't he actually. He never recognized it, Yeah, there Max. was never any yeah. other connection other than it being the actor and him being so sort of they an go to uh, he goes to Barter Town to see if he can get his stuff back. And he strikes up a deal with the leader of Barter Town, Auntie. Anti-entity, Anti-entity. Barter Town is, has an above ground that's electrified yeah. and has neon signs and some weird whole barter system yes. of, you know, goods and services and ragtag kind of moss icely awful one of those places. Yeah. It looks and like then, a lovely place. And then describe for us the underground. Um, so down below everything, the thing that powers it is they have uh, they have... Uh, a smart guy who has figured out how to make power from methane gas from pig, uh, pig shit, pig shit. Yes. Methane gas, methane gas, which is, it's possible. It's scientifically sound. Um, I don't know if they could do it with the stuff they have there, like how they would capture it or, uh, they didn't really spend much time going into the mechanisms no. of, um, but there's one guy. Well, uh, I like how it's yeah. one guy, but the guy is master blaster. <laughs> who's a, <laughs> He's a um, a little person um, who who knows how the methane plant but works. But he rides around and the he back. He rides on, around on on a very large blaster. Person. He's master. That's blaster. Together, they're a symbiotic it's like Hodor. sort of. It's you know yeah, now it's, it's George R. R. Martin was inspired by this. <laughs> I there's wonder. a lot that George R. R. Martin has cribbed from over the years. I think. No offense. It's I mean, a, it's essentially Hodor. You know, yeah. Hodor <laughs> with a little person strapped on his back. Essentially, yeah. Tyrion? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and he's the only one who knows how to, you know, it seems like they should have, you know, maybe sent someone down to learn how this thing yeah. works instead of depending on one guy. Cause one guy isn't going to live forever. Anyway, it's just not a very practical way to run your city. <laughs> I felt about this film exactly like you started to talk about where it's like two movies in one, mm-hmm. the first half hour, 45 minutes or so, maybe 40 minutes mm-hmm. is barter town and Thunderdome. He goes there to reclaim his stuff. He has to make a bargain with Tina Turner. To do that, he has to take out Master Blaster so that they regain control of Barter Town. And and to do that, he has to challenge him to, you know, strike up a fight and go into Thunderdome. Yeah. Two men enter, one man leaves. Two men enter, one man mm. leaves. Two men enter, one man leaves. Yes, right. The, the chance where they basically dangle around on straps and have to like boing around inside this yeah. this giant cage with you know. Which while I've grabbing never a, seen, but I've heard that phrase yeah, countless of, times. It's, it's just things. like things that people say all the time. It's worked its way into our. I didn't realize. I thought it was related to um, Mortal Kombat for some reason because. <laughs> It's not related to... Well, things don't play out exactly as they want it to. He ends up getting dumped in the desert and found by these sort of like ragtag Peter Pan sorts of kids who are the the survivors or the children of uh, a plane crash Mm -hmm. around the time of the apocalypse. They have no adults left. The pocky clips. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They have no adults left and only the, the oral history that they have been, have kept with sort of weird fragments of, of, of memory of how they got there. And they're waiting for basically their Messiah to come back. And they think it's Max Captain Walker, the pilot of the plane will one went off to get help. He will one day come back. Um, 
I don't know if he went off to get help or if he was buried in the in the grave. Yeah, it's not clear. It seemed like they interpreted a gravestone as yeah. being the list of the people who went off to get help or something. I'm not quite uh, yeah. sure. That Interesting. Ran, played. But anyway. <laughs> so I was bothered by the fact that they just, I mean, like the oldest person there seems to be like late teens. So from a practical standpoint, yeah. it doesn't quite make sense whose children are whose and where the adults they are. They have this and... whole thing like teach the children. And I was like, who's having kids? You know, well, somebody, <laughs> where are the people who had the somebody kids? Somebody had kids in the yeah. last few years because yeah. some of the youngest kids are probably like seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I guess if you were exposed to mass amounts of, you know, radioactive fallout, that it might cause you to die a lot earlier. So maybe they had a couple kids and then had, you know, died of radioactive cancers or something like that. But, I mean, it just doesn't really make sense to me that there would be no adults other than, like, the 17-year-olds that are hanging around, you know. But, so, these kids become the, the, the ones that he helps... Yeah. Against his will, yeah. grudgingly, he gets involved with, just like he got well, he involved with. he tries to tell them there's nothing out there for them. Stay in the place with the water and the green and the And food. everything bad that happens to them yeah. happens because some of them split off to go. Because you can't tell kids anything. No, you can't. <laughs> they go off to find um, Tomorrow Morrow Land. Yes. Which, I'm sorry, is a devastated, blown up Sydney. Yes. Yeah. Right? But it seems like they ended up living there <clears throat> at the end, though. It looks like they end up in the shell of Sydney at the end. Which, I mean, I guess it's close to the water. It's shelter. So they could, and it's shelter. They could right? eat radioactive fish. They're not fish. under the sun. Yeah. They're in the, the, the skeletons of buildings and whatever. There's probably a lot of food they can scavenge yeah. to. It might well, be I all radioactive. I just thinking the whole know. time, like, they had it made with the, like, the water and the they waterfalls. They had kind of a little oasis yeah. with the waterfall. It was like a paradise. And yeah. so I'm not sure why and how that's a better place that they end up yeah. with. Other than they're closer. some biblical imagery going on <laughs> in this sort of thing. <laughs> I did like um, the the my favorite scene in that is when they're standing on top of the airplane. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, they lead the him. Out, they lead the him airplane. out to show him something he doesn't know what, yeah. and they take him out. It to does see. look like they actually have an airplane out in the middle. Oh, they of the have desert. an airplane in the middle. Of the it was beautiful. Yeah, they got yeah. an airplane out into the desert for that <laughs> shot. Somehow, it's amazing. Again, yeah. not a CGI. Yeah, an actual airplane in in the outback, <laughs> and it's amazing looking. Um, so. How does this, does this movie work? Like how? So I, you know, I was reading and about And be this, honest, because I'm not, I don't have, like, I'm not attached yeah. to this movie in any way as a film. It's, it was weird to see Tina Turner there. You know, yeah. like, everybody else is completely unrecognizable. They're just, like, weird, random people. I mean, mm-hmm. other than, you know, Mel Gibson, but, you know. It was, it's just, you know, I don't know, it's... Although I understand, because like when you think about it in the sense of Fury Road, where they have that bombastic leader who's just so like larger than life personality, I I just don't know that they're able to to do that. Like I think that Fury Road, that leader was more was more successful in being you know the sort of larger than life. But Tina Turner is larger than I don't know. It felt very eighties. It does feel very 80s. Yeah. I think... I, I know that I saw this movie and really liked it when I was a teenager. And I know I probably went on to see it three or four mm. times in Cinemax and all that kind of had my tape of yeah. it and all that kind of stuff. 
but I don't think I've seen it since that time. And it's very weird to go back now and see how dated it feels mm. and how it doesn't really seem of a piece with the other Mad Max films. It kind of stands out. You know what it's like? No. Um, Temple of Doom. Oh, you know how the yeah. first Indiana Jones is, about. is so good. And, mm-hmm. the, and then I, my favorite one was always the third one. Um, yeah, Last Crusade. Last Crusade. But that one, it's like... Not so good. So (laughs) I wish that I'd had time, and I don't know if you did. I did not look up or get to read about the circumstances of Thunderdome's Mm. production or anything like that. But I do notice all all the films are directed by George Miller. Yeah, He came back to do Fury Road. He's amazing. Yeah, He he went off after the the first three Mad Max movies and had kind of a normal sort of Hollywood pop career. He made The Witches of Eastwick, I think. Oh, interesting. He made... Kids movies. He made Babe, and Babe and Babe, the Pig oh, in the City. Really he made bad. Happy Feet, um, and then he came back around and made Fury Road. So, but Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I don't know if money came to him or what, but it feels to me like let's take this. The source, cameras were a lot better. Let's take this source material, yeah. this world, and like make a popcorn summer Spielbergian type of movie out of it. Because yeah. it feels more like one of those kinds of movies, like yeah. Temple of Doom. Yeah. It it takes Max, it takes the a post-apocalyptic setting, it takes some of that punk aesthetic in some of the yeah. band of Barter Town and, and that kind of world. It certainly has the bizarro souped up vehicles that we love, yeah. but not as much of them to its detriment, I think. Yeah, I think so. I miss the and, car chases. Um, it's got a big, I think, Maurice Jarre score mm-hmm. who composed Lawrence of Arabia, I think. So the score feels too it's big. big for it's his... too big. The production values are big. More money thrown at the screen, better cameras, better production design, more money, larger cast. It doesn't feel like a real Mad Max movie. No. It do, it's not what I liked about Mad Max. Yeah. What I liked actually was how gritty it was, mm-hmm. how brutal it was, yeah. how there was still a spark of humanity within that. Max is a compelling figure. The people that he helps are compelling. I don't really care about Barter Town. Yeah. Like that first 35 minutes while... It's certainly like I can admire the creativity of Master Blaster, the world run by pig shit and the methane gas and and, and thund- Thunderdome itself. And, and all of that is interesting creatively. Yeah. But that first 40 minutes you throw away like there's he has no there's no stake in it. other yeah. than He just wants to get his stuff back. Yeah. So there's no personal connection or emotional connection to any of that. It's kind of just comic book scenes. Yeah. With more music. And more jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second half feels like a totally different movie. Yeah. And that feels more like, I don't know, the Goonies or mm. like, I don't, I don't, I haven't really, I don't know if I've actually seen the Goonies, but it just reads like, like more Spielberg-y and let's put a bunch of kids in it and we'll get the kids into the movie theater yeah. this summer. We'll put Tina Turner into it. We'll get kind of the, you know, 20 somethings into the theater or whatever, you know, pop mu- <laughs> top 40 pop music. I yeah. mean, she was big. That yeah. was around the time of private dancer and that album and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they made the rating PG 13. Mm. You know, let's make a PG 13 summer popcorn oh, movie. That explains why Throw a lot of was. movie at the screen, make it into much more of a comic book. I don't know. It left me cold. Yeah, I didn't... Thinking back on it, it's it doesn't... I mean, like, and if I compare it to 
I think there were some compromises made. And like one of the things is that I noticed that the Miller's co-producer Byron last I can't think of his last I know, name. Yeah, I can't think he, of it. He he died while scouting locations in 1983 for this for that film for Thunderdome. And so like at the end of it it just has a thing that says for Byron. Um so I mean like probably there's some amount of in his co-producer some amount of that creative energy lost, you know. Well, I never noticed until yeah. this viewing, even though I was fairly plugged into noticing directors yeah. and stuff, that Thunderdome has a co-director, George Ogilvy. Interesting. And so now I want to know more about what did Ogilvy do and what did Miller do? And was Ogilvy, you know, like... Yeah. I wonder if they, George Miller they was an action director yeah. until he got to that point. I'm just like, did is this George Miller's... Vision and maybe it yeah. is because he went on to make Babe and Happy Feet and more family oriented yeah. entertainment. So was he trying to kind of force his bleak vision into more of a lighthearted? I mean, it's I not lighthearted. Even the two tones of the sections don't really they work. They don't really work because the Barter Town version is still brutal and they're and yeah. violent, not as violent as Road Warrior, but it's still pretty violent. Yeah. And then you have the weird sort of Peter Pan kids. I keep yeah. calling them Peter Never Neverland kids. Well, and like I don't, I don't know. There's so I, I'm having mixed sensations about this because, like in Fury Road, like one of the scenes that grabbed me is in the first big, you know, driving sequence. They're going to battle, and for some ridiculous reason, they have a guy with an electric guitar on I like wires. That. And yeah. I just like that. I like hook, line, and sinker fell for that weirdness. Yeah. And that, like, yeah, of course they have an electric guitar battle scene guy. Yeah. Of, of course they well, need like that. Well, like in Road Warrior, you just have them driving <laughs> around in battle with their prisoners on yeah. the front of the cars, yeah. like just sticking out there bound. Like, yeah. that's weird. That's yeah. kind of the same sort of thing. You know, uh, that. Uh, like, I think that they told him to tone down on, well, one, the violence, so the stakes aren't as high, but also the the just weird general Fury weirdness. Road is pretty violent, though, yeah, I think. It, Isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, okay. the Thunderdome, okay, they okay. told him to tone back. Because I think this. he came no, back around. Fury Road is R, yeah. It's, Fury Road yeah. sort of gets the balance right between, yeah. between helping people, still having the post-apocalyptic vision, not really pulling pinches on the violence yeah. or the grittiness, and yet it's still about something. Yeah. I think that the any kind of political message that comes across is better displayed in um, in uh, Road Warrior or Fury Road. I think that those are better at you know examining humanity and and I find you the know. whole thing with the kids um, kind of trite. Yep. I mean, I don't know if I've just seen too many things like that, but it doesn't really seem to earn its. Well, I don't know why it's strings at the end. I just you know, I was very <laughs> surprised that that's where that went because I did. I just, so he led them to this bombed out city. Yeah, and, I mean they probably would have been well, better. Well, he gets he gets left in the desert again. That's right. You know, but the kids probably would have been better, don't you think? If he just never came along, if yeah. they just stayed in that oasis with the waterfalls. Why didn't they and kill stuff? Tina Turner at the end? I guess because no, you don't kill Tina Turner. I thought it was she didn't kill. Um, well, she didn't kill him either. Yeah. But it was very I think strange. it's one of those sort of Moriarty, Sherlock Holmes, like yeah, your adversary is still out there. The doctor and the master, you know? Well, I mean, like, I think you could have had a different movie if he didn't go find the kids. If he just, like, went, instead of finding the kids, he just headed back into Barter yeah. Town to get his stuff back again, you know? 
I don't, I don't know. I don't think Tina Turner's terrible, but I do think she stands out as, as kind of, as a recognizable persona from well, somewhere else. I mean, else. like, compared to the, the Bartertown, yeah. um, like, mm-hmm. like, the, the weird, like, round guy at the, who's, yeah. like, taking the deals from people, oh, yeah. like, yeah. I think he was a lot more interesting in, in that case, like, I did like the scene where he had to survive the, the trial, I guess. The, Which one? Where he he offers his services and they take her to oh yeah, yeah. and then well I love a great visual gag yeah. that is just fantastic we've seen it done a million times is the where he has to s- sacrifice his weapons yeah it's oh, just like one of those gags from the jerk you <laughs> yeah. know where he's pulling up gun and knife and crossbow and whatever clunk 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 on the table and it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming it's great I guess so that's that's one thing because I keep doing this my brain is likes to like if it's not interested in what's going on likes to pick apart like the realisticness of yeah. things so i was like well how are they gonna how is he gonna get his stuff back do they have a basket with a number oh, she was upset it? that they didn't have like a pawn shop system where yeah, he's gonna get a number no, here's your number you can come back for your basket of weapons later you know <laughs> i actually don't feel like he really cared because he was playing in it to get his vehicle back yeah. and his camels his vehicle is <laughs> is the thing which of course he's always has booby trapped. Yeah, oh, he lost his his interceptor in uh, Road Warrior. Yeah, he did that great car. Yeah. So the other thing about Thunderdome, and we mentioned it once already, is I'm an hour, hour and ten minutes into the movie, and I'm like, oh my god, this movie needs the car chases. Yeah. Like I love the car chases. They're I'm good. sorry, the first one, which you should go back and see at some point. I've Amazing car, car chases. Yeah. Just the one insane. For- I don't know how people didn't die doing this stuff. There's a shot in the first one where it, where like a guy gets thrown off the car mm. and it looks like as the car spins out behind him, like it whacks into his head and the, in the, in his helmet and everything like that. That guy is okay. They actually say in the documentary, yeah. everybody's always worried about the guy in that shot, yeah. but that it was, I don't know. He's okay. Yeah. Whatever that was, <laughs> that was a real guy. It was hairy, but yeah. that guy is okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like he got up and walked away from that stunt. Um, but kids don't try this at home, kind of no, thing, right? Yeah. Well, you know how many of us have a a desert of abandoned roads to work with? Not many. So, w- it, it, with the whole like, I want to show you these movies from my past, and then it'll deepen your appreciation of Fury Road. Like what I learned was the Road Warrior is still awesome. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing it again. It holds up. I think it totally holds up. Yeah. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was a disappointment, and I can see like if there it was more of a nostalgia exercise, which like some of the other things we've looked at probably, but like I remember liking it, but it didn't really do anything for me now, and I felt a little embarrassed about it. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I still there's still things I like yeah. about it. There's still stuff about the world building. I think Barter Town is amazing, but it it doesn't it doesn't really give me what i want a mad max movie to give me exactly that sort of edge of your seat exciting action sequences and yeah it's i mean yeah it's it was good road warrior road warrior mad max beyond thunderdome i think that's about as much time as we have unless you have anything else you want to get in there i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i uh 
You know, I'm glad that, and I'll say this because I've seen, I saw Fury Road first and I was so impressed with how he dealt with the issues of women in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's about, it's about that. It's fantastic. Um, but I'm glad that he had the opportunity after Road Warrior where they have that sort of horrific scene where they're essentially, you know. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I, which is, you know, I think. And I didn't remember yeah, that until it I think happened. it was an accurate description of probably what would happen in that cir- circumstance. And you felt that dread and that awful well, feeling. Well, it sets a feeling of dread for the rest of the yeah. movie because you know something like that could happen yeah. at any time. So, I'm glad that he had the opportunity with Fury Road to go back and address some of that stuff. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's terrible and expletive because I don't think it was, it wasn't shot. It was shot in a way that was, um, you know, drew out the horror of it and not. And even the witnesses were horrified by both Max and gyro captain witness this really brutal rape murder kind of moment that happens at a distance that they see. So yeah, I think that uh, I think that maybe I don't know. Just maybe he was a little dissatisfied with with people's view. But anyway, I think that he did a good job of representing it in both films. I guess we'll see yeah. what happens next. Yeah, yeah. Did you know? I just is there another one? Mad Max: The Wasteland is in pre-production Ooh, by fun. with George Miller at the helm with um, um, Tom Hardy Tom coming Hardy. back as Max. Okay. So I'm um, intended to be a sequel to Fury Road. So yeah. maybe they've got it right. Yeah. And maybe it's going to go places that we don't know yet that will add something new to the series. Yeah. And we've kind of have a record episode this time very long <laughs> because we talked about two movies and I don't know if we should do that, but I enjoyed it. Um, and I hope you guys did too. And uh, really interested in other opinions on either the road warrior and particularly Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. If, if anyone else wants to chime in, you can write us at shut up, watch this at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear what you think about these movies. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.